My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning and Happy New Year and welcome to Our Sunday School. Uh, new look this morning. Uh, I've got my home office set up. I don't know if you guys are aware of this or care, but I've been uh, working from home since March and uh, with our daughter moving out uh, into her own apartment, uh, her room was up for grabs, so uh, it's now my office. Uh, so uh, this will probably be where we do our Sunday school lessons from here on and uh, would like to welcome you this morning. I see quite a few of you have already commented that you are here, so thanks for that. Uh, I appreciate those comments. It lets me know and kind of visualize and see who who's actually listening right now. So it's quite helpful from a teacher's perspective. Uh, but if you haven't already gone to uh, OurSundaySchool.com, uh, I would encourage you to do so. You can get a copy of this morning's handout. Uh, you'll also need a copy of Mark's Gospel. Uh, and as I mentioned uh, earlier this week, uh, I will. Uh, we are going to start this morning with a time of prayer. Um, Originally, it was just kind of confined to our leaders, and it's kind of morphed a little bit based on some of your all's feedback and some things that I've been burdened about as well. I've been praying about this week, uh, but I just want to take a second and uh, greet some folks this morning. So, uh, good morning, Barry. Uh, also, you guys, just so you know, I really, really, really tried to get Julie and Caleb uh, to sit on the bed behind me. That was a hard pass. Uh, that was a hard pass. So, no way that was happening. Uh, so good morning, Barry, and good afternoon, Vicki. Uh, the Johnsons, hey, Mom, good morning. Uh, the Barbers are here, fantastic. The Millers are here, wonderful. The Archers are here, great. Albert's awake, hey, way to go, Albert, cool. Uh, the Velosons, uh, Barry says lots of coffee, cool, all right. Uh, the Clicks, the Arnolds, and Albert stays up till four. Okay, that sounds like a personal problem. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll jump right in. Uh, so we're in uh, Mark chapter 10 this morning. So you've got your Bibles, go ahead and make your way over there. Uh, but I do want to start, like I said, with a prayer uh, this morning. It's, it's something that we don't typically take time in Sunday school to do. But uh, when we have significant events, when we have something that impacts our class personally, uh, we will generally take time to do that. Uh, so I'm just going to pray for a few minutes uh, for our country, for our leaders, uh, for our church. Uh, for us specifically, as how we uh, engage and respond in times that are turbulent. Uh, and hopefully some of this will resonate with you. Um, these are things, many of these things are things that I've heard others pray, others talk about this week, uh, things that I've seen in the scripture that I feel burdened about, my own personal sin in my life, times of confession. Uh, and uh, it's been very helpful what the Holy Spirit has done, as he always is. So uh, let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you that you are still in control. When America appears to be in shambles, we can rejoice knowing heaven stands unshaken. Our current state is no surprise to you. So help us not to have it be a source of worry for us. We see our country's state and we mourn, but we hope and anticipate the more perfect dwelling that awaits us and all who repent of sin and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Father, we confess that this rebellion against the government is sin and that it is not limited to political party. We confess sinfulness exists along the entire political spectrum. We acknowledge that we can engage politically, but we must not do so as the world does. So help us to actively orient ourselves away from godless expressions of power, fear, pride, and false hope. Father, we have we confess that we have expected America to be a utopia and have expected our leaders to fulfill a role that only you can fill. We too easily place our hopes in the nation instead of in you. We confess that the church is God's people, not America. And our best lives come not from living out the American dream or a corrupted form of American evangelicalism, but rather our best lives come from the redemption that we have in the hope of our risen Savior. And therefore, we have the ability to live amidst whatever political leadership you, Father, sovereignly appoint, striving with joy to honor you. So help us to be faithful. Father, for our church, we pray for comfort for the fearful. We pray for unity where unity is not present. We pray for peacemakers in a time of unrest and division. We pray that we will abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. We pray we will not be swept up with political falsehoods, but in the truth of the gospel of Jesus. We pray we will have boldness to love image bearers, enough to call them to repentance and faith in Christ. We pray for those in our church who have roles in government. We pray for their courage, their protection, for their wisdom, and that they would be able to enact justice. Father, we pray for wisdom for our leaders. We pray for a peaceful transfer of power and for our governing authorities to lead us peacefully. We pray that we would live peaceful, quiet, and honorable lives because we do not want to put stumbling blocks before non-Christians in our witness. Forgive us where we have spread lies with more vigor than the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Help us demonstrate humility and respect toward all, because we too were once lost and deserving your judgment. Father, for the events that occurred last week, we lament that image bearers were lost. We pray for the families and friends in grief. We pray for them to draw near to you and to be comforted by you. We ask that the forces that gave rise to such deep division and distrust would be exposed and brought to justice. And if they are not in this world, we know that they will be in the next. We pray for the continued protection and safety of our leaders and elected officials, regardless of which political office they hold. And Father, we thank you for the resilience of our government, that it has, in your kind providence, been able to withstand even the challenges we've seen this past week. We pray for healing in our land. We know that we have no right to pray for such, for surely the sins of our nation are as high as the heavens. And yet we pray that you would spare us for further use in your kingdom, preserve our government, insofar as it is useful for you to provide us with the ability to live quietly as your followers. Father, our hope is not in this government. We know that the day will come when it will fall. And we pray on that day that you will cause our allegiance to be shown to be you and you alone. 
We pray your will would be done through these difficult and tragic circumstances because we know that you are in control and working all things according to the counsel of your will. Until America is no more, please cause our government to be marked by justice and equity. We pray this humbly, with heads bowed and eyes fixed on the cross, reminding ourselves that Jesus is our ultimate hope. He alone cures the riotous and rebellious spirit in all of us. He alone can bring comfort and healing when we feel we've been wronged. His throne is eternal. His gospel alone is worth giving our lives for, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning to those of you that have just joined in the last couple of minutes. The McGarveys, the Landers, and the Greggs. Uh, it's great to be able to be back uh, teaching this morning. I'm excited to be back in Mark chapter 10. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, we'll read the entirety of Mark chapter 10, and then we will uh, start with, Lord willing, uh, verse 17 uh, this morning and work our way through. So Mark chapter 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not inherit it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 
and the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism which I am able to be baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Amen. Mark chapter 10. Well, good morning to those of you that I have not yet said uh, good morning to. Uh, if you want to head over to uh, OurSundaySchool.com and grab a copy of this morning's handout. 
Uh, I confess I did not change the uh, front page of the website this morning. I apologize for that. So it says next week's uh, handout. It's actually this week's handout. So there you go. Uh, so we have, um, in our study of Mark's gospel so far, made it about a quarter of the way through Mark chapter 10. Uh, this morning we pick up with Mark chapter 10, verse 17, looking at this account of uh, what the ESV calls the rich young man. So I'll give you just a moment, and I want you to read through verses 17 all the way down through uh, 22. Verses 17 through 22. I want you to read this on your own real quick and tell me what verse, tell me what verse says that this was a young man. So I'll give you a minute to do that. So where is it? What verse says that he was a young man? Uh, good answer. You did not answer because it's not in this text. Uh, however, uh, one of the things that we know about the Gospels is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic. They give uh, a pretty consistent picture of the account in the life of Jesus. Uh, John's a bit of a special category. But in Matthew 19, uh, the word young is used there. And that's why we know that this is actually a young man, because the sequence of events there is consistent in Matthew 19 with what's happening in Mark chapter 10. Uh, the same types of things that are going on there in Matthew 19 are going on in uh, Mark chapter 10. Uh, so one of the things that we do sometimes in Bible study is we take what we know from one part, we add it to what we know from another part, and we get a much more complete, robust picture of what's going on. And that's what the ESV has done here with their section heading, The Rich Young Man. So when you saw that it wasn't in your text, the thing that I, I want us to uh, slow down on is like, don't, don't pick up a pen and go to scratching things out. That's a, it's a very dangerous way to read your Bible. Uh, but I will, t I will say, just as a, a reminder, I try to do this every few months. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in our English copies of the Bible that weren't present in the originals. Right, so uh, chapter divisions, uh, verse markings, uh, section headers. Uh, the the copy that I have uh, has uh, references on either side of the page, and so none of this was existed in the uh, original copies that uh, the Holy Spirit spoke through those who wrote, wrote the Scripture. Uh, but these are things that can many times really help us in our understanding of Scripture. So I, I don't, I don't want to disparage them, but also don't want us to put. Uh, an inappropriate degree of hope or confidence in them. Uh, all of those things can have errors in them. Uh, the text of the scripture itself, however, that's a beautiful uh, truth. Uh, it is truth, and uh, we should respond accordingly. So all of that just from the section heading. So here we go. All right, so we've got uh, chapter 10, verse 17, and as he was setting out on his journey... So this is a he here is Jesus. He's setting out on his journey. So as a, just as a reminder, where are we headed? We are headed to Jerusalem. 
We are headed steadfastly to Jerusalem. And uh, there's something in the way. They're going to go around it. But uh, they're going to end up at Jerusalem. So the, the, the story has shifted. So we were developing, gathering, teaching, healing uh, in various areas. And now we are doing those same things, but while we are headed to Jerusalem. So while he's setting out on his journey, a man, this is this uh, rich young man, uh, ran up. So let's let's pause for just a second because we we might in our American society look at this and see this and go, yeah, it's just a guy ran up. Great, no big deal. Well, it was a big deal because Jewish men don't run in public. That's not something you do. That's something that non-pious, non-serious people do. They go running around here and there. But Jewish men walk in public. They don't run in public. So already, like the first thing we see about this person is that he has broken societal norm of running in public. So let's just kind of tuck that away. So he runs up and he kneels before Jesus. And this too would have been a, whoa, what are you doing here? You're kneeling before someone. This is, this is an acknowledgement that this person is special. This person is different. There's something significant about this person, right? So he's run up. He's kneeled before him. He's knelt before him. And uh, he asked him. So if you look at your handout on page 322 toward the bottom, um, of my, just so you're aware, in my new setup, my notes are about uh, six inches to the right of the camera here. So when you see my eyes dart over here, this is what I'm looking at now. My notes are no longer below. Um, so he asked, and this word asked is in the imperfect tense. And we know the imperfect tense is a repeated thing. So he asks him multiple times, uh, good teacher, what must I do to be to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I will I will say that he does several things well here, right? So he's He's acknowledging that there's something special and significant about Jesus. He does call him good. That's that's good. But the and he asks him a question. You, know, you see, uh, one who is uh, distinct and separate from others. You you kind of want to go. What's different about this? What's what's interesting here? Um, so he asks him a question. But I, I will I will posit that he asks him the completely wrong question because his question comes from a very man centered, works centered theology. His question assumes, I have to do something to inherit eternal life, right? And in Jewish culture, if you wanted an inheritance, your inheritance was based on where your, what your birth order was. Now, if you were born uh, a male, you were part of the inheritance. If you were born a female, you were married off and you participated in someone else's inheritance. Um, but the firstborn would get a double portion of whatever the inheritance was. So he's asking here, what do I have to do, right? What action, what activity, what whatever do I have to do? And the, the right answer is, uh, the, or a better question, I would argue, would be, Jesus, uh, what have you done that I might inherit eternal life? Because one question is uh, exclusively focused on me and myself. I've put myself at the center of all things. And one question is an acknowledgement that I am not God and I have not created the provision for salvation in and of myself. 
So he calls him good. He says, teacher, uh, this is didaskalos. This is just a, a kind of a, it's a, it's a noun version of the word, uh, of the verb to teach. Uh, so good teacher, what must I do uh, in order that or to inherit uh, eternal life? And Jesus, I, I love it, right? So when Jesus is asked a question, what does he do? He asks a question back. So Jesus said to him, uh, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Uh, it's an interesting question because that was the first word out of his mouth. It was good, teacher, right? So why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So Jesus is saying, if you call me good, you're calling me God. Is that what you're doing here? Is that what you're doing? And look at how he follows this up. When the rich young ruler responds back, because Jesus is going to go into the commandments, but when the rich young ruler responds back, in verse 20, he says he says to him, teacher, doesn't call him good again. So either he didn't understand the lesson or he disagreed with the point. Either way, that's a problem because Jesus is good because Jesus is God. So let's not miss the fact that Jesus is declaring and explicitly trying to lead this man into an understanding that he is God. So don't miss this. Now, back to verse 19. So you know the commandments. So Jesus is talking to the, the young man and says, you know the commandments. And this is a perfect active indicative. So the perfect means is something that happened in the past with the results continuing. And it's an indicative, which means it's a statement of fact. So this is actually a really big, I would argue, this is a really big compliment that Jesus pays this man. Because Jesus says, you've been taught and you know right now the commandments. That's pretty cool, right? Jesus says, you're, like, you're, your study of the scripture, you know what you need to know. Wow. Now, the challenge here is that he has missed what the entire Old Testament points to in that the Messiah is here and he is Jesus Christ. But we'll get to that in a minute. So he says, you know the commandments. Uh, do not murder. Uh, in Greek, it's, it's funny. It's like uh, it's no murder, uh, no uh, adultery. No theft, no false witness. It's just the word for no, and then the actual uh, uh, the actual verb itself. So no, uh, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Don't miss this. Jesus just included don't bear false witness in this list of things. What's he about to do in just a minute? He's a about to not call Jesus good. I would call this a sin of omission, right? Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, the idea here. So don't bear false witness. Do not defraud. Uh, that word for false witness is actually the, uh, the words that Mark uses later on in his gospel in chapter 14 to describe the witnesses that the, uh, the religious leaders bring against Jesus in his mock trial because they were false witnesses. They were just lying. Uh, we go on, we see do not defraud, and then we get to a, a proactive commandment, right? So this is honor, present active imperative. This is a habit. This is a command to be followed the rest of your life. Honor, 
your father and mother. And we see that Jesus has used this in 7.6 and in 7.10. This is back when he was talking to the Pharisees about how they've, he's quoting Isaiah, uh, they've perverted the commandments um, and they've just done all sorts of different crazy things with the commandments here. So honor your father and your mother. And verse 20, and he, so we get back to the rich young ruler, and he said, uh, and the said here is the uh, imperfect. The said here is the imperfect. So this is repeated in past time. Uh, sorry, I had to use my cheat sheet here. Uh, it's uh, the imperfect. And the word here is, an, it's an interesting word because it's not just to say, but it, it means to make your thoughts known. It's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit more than just to say. It's to be really transparent in what's kind of going on here. So he shares what he really believes about this thing. And he says, teacher, again, omission of the good, all, pos, all these uh, I have kept uh, from my youth. Now, if you look at your text, In Mark's gospel, that's the last thing he says. The last thing he says is a lie. Whether he knows it or not, it's a lie. Because he hasn't kept all the commandments since his youth, right? That's just not possible. <laughs> all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, including this young man. <clears throat> the last thing he says is a lie. Teacher, all these things I have kept. And he believed it because it's in the indicative. That's from the statement of the, the speaker that the speaker believes this to be a fact. I have kept. I have watched. I've been on guard. I have preserved. I have obeyed. I have avoided. I love this particular word. He, he's a really articulate man uh, in that he chooses a word that both means to be on watch, on guard, to preserve and obey, but also to avoid. And if you if you look at the definition of this word outside of this context, you would think, how do you preserve, obey, and avoid something? Like that seems very, like that's hard to, like, in what situation is that true? It's true when you're talking about there are things to avoid and there are things to obey. It's a perfect word for the situation. It's a, it's a beautiful um, uh, Greek word here. So I have kept these uh, all from my youth. Verse 21, and Jesus looking at him, seeing the person, right? Not looking at others. He's going to talk to others about him in just a minute. Lord willing, we'll get to that in the coming weeks. But looking at him, loved him. Oh God, help us not to skip past this step when we engage others with the truth of your word. This is the word for uh, love. This is agape. Uh, it shows up. This is the first time it shows up in Mark's gospel. It shows up several more times. We'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, but he loved him and said to him, you lack or you fall short. I, I, I hear the um, uh, foreshadowing here of Paul's words later in Romans, right? You fall short. You lack one thing. Now, this is interesting grammatically. I think it's interesting. So Jesus says you lack one thing. And then he gives him five things to go and to obey. <laughs> so if you're a list maker, you may want to number these. I don't know. So the first one is to go. 
And this is a present active imperative. So you, you, you keep going, 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 you keep going and sell. You're like, sell? What's he going to sell? Well, if you skip on down to the, the end of this particular passage and into this paragraph, it says he has great possessions or great acquirements, a great estate. There is a lot that this person owns, right? So go and sell and sell and sell and sell, and sell right? Go and sell all that you have. Everything, okay? And give, it's the third, give to the poor. You say, well, who are the poor? Well, the poor here are people who depend on charity, the people who depend on those to give them something because they are destitute. And you will have treasure or a deposit or something to look forward to in heaven. Okay, this is how you, how you have an a, uh, inheritance there. And come, this is four, this is another present active imperative, right? So repeatedly come, come back to Christ, come back to Christ, come back to Christ, and follow. This is five, the last of the imperatives. Again, a present active imperative. Come and follow me. Now remember what he told him to do. Go, sell, give, come, follow. And what does the text say? Where did he get hung up? Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He went, but he didn't sell. He didn't give. He didn't come back. He certainly didn't follow. He didn't make it past step two. I could, you could argue he didn't make it really past step one because the intent of step one was to go do step two and step three and then to return for step four and step five. So this is the challenge, right? So this is especially, I would argue, a challenge to those of us who, if you're listening to this and you live in America, um, that we are just obscenely, obscenely wealthy in America um, in in the time that the scripture was written, you were considered uh, well off if you had enough for more than the day's food and shelter. Enough for the more than the day's food and shelter. So if you're listening to my voice and you go, yes, I have enough. I have more than enough for today's food and today's shelter. Well, the, the Bible writers would have considered you rich. We're, we're all rich in this space. Right? We're obscenely rich. It's incredible the wealth that God has this bestowed on our uh, country and on us specifically here. So we have this awareness that we need to have about what we do with this, right? So he says, uh, go, sell, give, come, follow. And I, I would argue that um, this come and this follow, this present active imperative, this follow, this present active imperative is a, a really simple formula, if you're into formulas or lists, for us to do this come to Christ, follow him. Come back to Christ, follow him. Come back to Christ, follow him. It sounds an awful lot like repent, right? This return and follow, commit and believe again in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a very consistent theme throughout Mark's gospel. So verse 22, disheartened or gloomy or sad, right? He goes away, 
uh, by the saying. So disheartened by the saying. Don't miss this one little thing. Then we'll probably end on this concept. Disheartened by the saying. The the, set, the word for saying is the is word. Uh, like it's it's the word word logos, um, and the word word is also used to describe Jesus himself in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word was the logos. I don't know if Mark is trying to do this on purpose, but you could capitalize, you could change the word saying, and you could translate it as word, and then you could capitalize the word word and say, disheartened by the Jesus, he went away sorrowful. Because Jesus speaks truth, and only truth. This is me biting my tongue. But Jesus speaks only truth. So disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. He went away sad. Uh, notice that this is a passive. This was something that uh, his disobedience resulted in uh, this distress, this sadness. Now, I'm not saying this morning that all sadness, all um Distress, certainly not all depression is caused by disobedience, but there is some that is. Right? It, it is. it is impossible for a believer to be in a, uh, a, a wrong relationship with God and be happy about it. Right? That's not the way that God has structured the universe or our relationship with him. So let's keep going. So we were only sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had much. Now, what happens in the next paragraph is Jesus looks around, verse 23, he looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. So he goes on for many verses here and explains to them in painstaking detail the result of such wealth in many, many cases. And if there was ever a challenge to us to be careful about our wealth, it is a story like this. It is an account like this. So you might be thinking, so Jim, what's the point? What's the application? What's the personalization? Well, there's gobs and gobs and gobs of them, right? And we'll get to a lot more in the second paragraph, but just a couple here. Um, application number one, I would say obedience is hard. I'd say obedience is hard. Um, so what do we do with that, right? What do we do when something is difficult? Well, the thing I've been challenging us to do this entire series, repent and believe in the gospel, right? So if application number one is obedience is hard, personalization number one is repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, application number two is uh, obedience is hard for the rich. You might even say obedience is harder for the rich. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. We'll look at that in the next paragraph. So what do we do with that? Well, we repent and we believe in the gospel. It's not just a one-time thing. It's for every single day. This come and follow, come and follow, come and follow is for every single day. It's a good thing for us. Uh, application number three, self-assessment is hard. <laughs> self-assessment is hard. Um, you know, I, I see uh, lots of different pictures and quotes and sayings and whatnot in lots of different environments. Uh, and it is, it is very popular right now in American Christianity to spend a spectacular amount of time in self-assessment 
and awareness and testing and categorizing. And, and I, I will tell you that there is, there is one clear and unmistakable personalization that will come from uh, self-assessment, from true and proper self-assessment. And that is that we should repent, and this is number three of personalization, repent and believe in the gospel. Right? Because the more we self-assess, the more we see that we are sinful. The more we self-assess, the more we see that we are, are even our motives, our heart is sinful, it is corrupt, it is dark. It results in all sorts of wickedness and sin. And what do we need? We need to repent of our sin and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So application number three is uh, self-assessment is hard. And application number four is self-assessment is hard for the rich, right? Because there's so many layers of comfort that we have added around us, you know? So So personalization number four, repent and believe in the gospel. There you go. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is what Mark's gospel is about. His story of the life and the death of Jesus Christ is about repentance of sin and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, that is what I will call us to do today. Uh, Next week, Lord willing, uh, we will start with verse uh, 23. um, And we will go until we run out of time. Uh, Our homework each week is to pray, hear, think, talk, share and invite. So please be faithful in that. Um, I will tell you that in our uh, prayer time that we typically move into, I would challenge us to, if you have any prayer requests, just write those in here. In the comments, uh, I would encourage you to take some time this morning to lean in, engage and pray. Uh, Specifically for someone not with you, uh, praying for others is a great gift that we have uh, in uh, church and in Christianity. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and then I would encourage you, as you are able, uh, engage in worship this morning. Um, it is good for us. It is good for our soul. It is good for each other. And uh, I would uh, challenge us to do that. Uh, one thing that I have done differently this morning uh, is uh, the software that I use has enabled us to schedule Facebook Live posts uh, and videos now. So uh, I intend to start scheduling those out so you can set a reminder if you want. Uh, on Facebook, uh, and you can, I believe, share those, uh, the actual space where we will be going live prior to going live. So before it was always a, you kind of got to wait, and once it exists, then you can do something with it, and now it is a, a proactive uh, ability to go and share and invite others. So that's for those of you that are technically savvy enough to do that, there you go. Uh, And then I think with that, we are finished. So don't forget at the bottom of the handout on page 326, don't forget to subscribe to our weekly email podcast and YouTube channel. You can do all that stuff at OurSundaySchool.com. Love you guys, uh, miss you guys, and uh, I'm grateful for your engagement with God's Word. And uh, pray for you uh, each day that we would be faithful and that we would do what God has called us to do and that we would daily repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So with that, I look forward to seeing you, Lord willing, next week. Uh, Grace and peace to you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.